Good morning. I always feel so bad interrupting all of the great conversations that are happening out there. It's so good to see you and welcome to anyone who's joining us on our live stream this morning. I know Charlie and Audra would love to talk to you and if you have prayer requests, please feel free to share those um, there in the chat. And you are also welcome to also share our live stream from your phone right now this morning if you want to. If there's people that you know that might miss a chance to uh, join us in church today, feel free to share that. I don't have many announcements this morning. We are we're kind of slowly getting back to regathering in some of our, our usual ways. Um, been so excited to have the kids department open during the second service, and today will be our first Sunday that we have nursery care as well. So we are fully open there during second service, which has been such such a gift. Um, we have an adult Sunday school class that has started. We have another adult Sunday school class that Judy Tool will be teaching. It um, is not starting today. It'll be starting in two weeks on October 18th. So um, I'm not sure exactly the location. I know it'll be one of these classrooms here in the hallway, so we will get you further details if that is a class you'd like to attend. Um, but I don't know. It's just so good. It's good to be regathering. Would you mind, um, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to pray together as we enter into worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, it is such a gift to come together this morning, Lord, to, to worship you, to give you thanks for all that you've done, all that you're doing. Lord, I pray that you would just quiet our minds, quiet our hearts, Lord, allow us to just fully surrender this time to you, to hear you speaking to us, to see you moving in our midst. Lord, we love you, and we pray that you will continue to guide us as we live our lives to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of
what a promise. Amen.
as we sing that, I'm remembering Jesus' words that he said, it's actually better for you when I leave because I'm going to send you my spirit that will be with you at all times. And he's here right now. The Holy Spirit is in our midst. Amen? He's there when you go to, when you get in your car, and when you get home. Always with us. But I think that as we sing songs like um, this next one that we're going to sing, and it, and it uses words like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I feel like I say this disclaimer every time. He's already here. Right? And so this is a song that turns our attention to him. And that says, here in our hearts, Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come in and work in me and move in me because I want to follow you, right? I'm going to read this scripture that is probably pretty familiar to you, but um, it's Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And folks, we need to be led by the Spirit. We need his truth permeating through our lives and through our church. Right? I'm so hungry for the Spirit of God to come and sweep in a revival fashion. Right? Lead us, Lord. I'm going to open, well, the altars are always open, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to do that. Sorry. There's nothing super special about this. You can sit down in your chair if you want to. It's just that intention of saying, you know what, I'm going to turn off the distractions that even might be happening right here in this room. And it's closing our eyes to say, Spirit, I want what you have to say to my heart right now. If you want to sit down, if you want to come kneel here, there is freedom in this place. It's
in many ways we have just prayed our prayer. Lord, that your spirit would spirit would come and permeate our hearts and our minds. That we would follow you where you would call us. Even if we're scared. Even if we can't see the next step ahead. God, we are a people that want to live spirit-filled lives. We take comfort in the presence that we can feel. But we acknowledge that sometimes when we don't feel it, we trust that you are still here. Leading us, guiding us, bringing peace to our hearts. Lord, would you continue to move in this place? Or as Pastor Josh comes and speaks, and as Pastor Paul comes and brings the word you laid on his heart, God. We want to have open minds, open hearts to where your spirit's leading us. And we will follow and we will see it. We love you, God, and we just want our lives to show that. We're starting a brand new series this week. And so we're changing even characters that we're talking about. We've been talking about Solomon and then uh, and, and, and wisdom. And, and today we're switching gears. We're talking about a brand new, per not a brand new, because he's from the Bible, so he's rather old actually, but a brand new to what we're talking about. We're going to talk about Elijah. We're going to talk about for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about Elijah. And, uh, and Pastor Paul is going to share in just a minute uh, and, and kind of start telling the story of Elijah. But we're going to see what wisdom we can see what I did there. Wisdom from last week. We're going to see what wisdom. Thanks, Mara. <laughs> One thumbs up there. We're going to see what wisdom we can gain from the story of Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God, right? So Elijah was chosen by God to kind of speak the word of God, to bring the word of God about to the people. He was specifically chosen by God for that purpose. And there's some really cool things that happen in the story of Elijah. And uh, as he is uh, as he is preparing to do these great things that God has for him, there's also a period of time where Elijah is just waiting, where God kind of instructs him to wait. I've got to, there you go. I couldn't do that with one hand. I'm not strong enough. Um, God instructs Elijah to wait. He's, he's waiting for his big moments. And as we'll see over the next few weeks, there's some really cool things. God uses Elijah in really big ways. But first, God instructs Elijah to simply wait. Now, when Elijah is, is kind of coming on the scene, uh, there's a famine in the land. And so a famine is, you know, when there's not enough food for everyone and there's a severe lack and they're running out of food. And, and so, uh, God instructs Elijah to wait down by a stream of water. And God tells Elijah, God makes a promise to Elijah that as you wait there, even though we're in the midst of this famine, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. And so Elijah is by the stream and he's drinking water from the stream. And there's really strange ways that Elijah gets his food. Like if you read the Bible, birds bring him his food, which is really weird. Like imagine being the baby bird and waiting for the Raven to drop the food in. That's gross. I don't know if that's how it happened or not, but that would be really funny if it was. But ravens bring him uh, his food, and then that stream dries up, and so uh, they're out. he's out of water there, and so God instructs him, and, and this is what I want you, in the midst of this waiting, there's this interaction that Elijah has with someone, and it's really fascinating to me. And again, Pastor Paul's going to talk in just a minute about what we can learn from Elijah as he's waiting, but as he's waiting, there's this interaction God has instructed Elijah 
to go find this widow and ask her for some bread. She's going to be his next source of food in the midst of this famine. And so Elijah, you know, being a good prophet, he, he listens to God and he obeys God and he goes and he finds this widow and he says, I would like you to bake me a loaf of bread. And, and this widow, uh, there, she's not just a widow, but she also has one son that she is uh, entrusted to care for. Uh, and so she, if you remember, they're in a famine. And so she says to Elijah, well, you know, I would, I would really love to help you, but we're kind of in a famine right now, and I have enough flour and oil to make one more loaf of bread for my family, for me and my son. And Elijah says, I, I understand that that's difficult, uh, but, but I want you to know that God has promised that if you uh, provide this bread for me, then he will take care of you. You will have just enough food to get you through the famine. And so reluctantly, the widow uh, says, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust God in this. And so she goes in and she, she puts the flour into her, into her bowl and she, she pours in the oil and just enough oil for one loaf of bread. And that's the last drop of her oil. And she, she makes this loaf of bread knowing that she would really like to give it to her son and herself. And, but she instead obeys God and gives it to Elijah, so Elijah can have something to eat. And you can imagine how kind of frustrated, unsure, just not really sure what she's going to do. She doesn't have anything, but God has trusted her. And so you can imagine she goes back in and, and she starts to make another batch of bread and she puts the flour in and, and she picks up her bottle of oil knowing that it's, that it's empty, but then there's just enough for one more loaf of bread and God is providing for her, and, and she, she eats that bread. And the next day, God did it last time, but I, there's no way that there's going to be more oil in there. So she puts the flour in, and she, she picks up the oil, and there's still some more oil in there, just enough for a loaf of bread. And, and then each day, she does that, and there's more oil in the bottle, and just enough to get her through to the end of the famine and God has provided for her. And that's really cool. And, and I think that sometimes we can get caught up on this idea of like, well, how did that happen? Right? Like that's not how it's supposed to happen. Or, or maybe you can get caught up on this. Like how is pastor Josh the greatest magician in the entire universe? And your mind is just blown by that. And sometimes when we do that with those stories, we can kind of miss the beauty of the story and what's going on here. And so there's this little thing that stuck out to me as I'm, as I'm reading this and thinking about this. And, and, and I want you to hear this is, Think about how God used an ordinary woman, an ordinary widow who was taking care of her son to do such an incredible thing, to play such a significant part in God's story, to feed Elijah, this guy who would do great things for God, this insignificant, ordinary woman playing such a major role in the story of God. And that's not unique to the story that we find in 1 Kings chapter 17. Scripture is filled, the story of God is filled with these times where God chooses ordinary people to do really insignificant ordinary things with ordinary things like flour and oil that is very ordinary and uses those 
ordinary things and people to do great things. And so as we are talking through Elijah and as we are thinking through Elijah, I want you to I want you to think, who are, the, who are the ordinary people that God is using, but then take it a step further? How can God use ordinary me, who doesn't really have any crazy special accolades, ordinary me, how can God use ordinary me to play a significant role in his story? Pastor Paul is going to come, and we're going to find out the role that Elijah played in God's story. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Let me ask you, who in your household do you have to wait for every Sunday morning when it's time to get ready? All right, who's the one that you're waiting? Okay, uh, I see the greens are turning and pointing at people. That's good. You know, th there's always one person in every house uh, that you have to wait for. In my household, believe it or not, on Sunday mornings, it wasn't me. Uh, you know, I'd get up just much, much like I do now, and I'd pull a comb through my hair and figure, what else can you do with this? And, of course, I had one sister. Uh, was it Diane that we had to wait for? No. You know, my mom, was it my mom that we had to wait for? No. It was my little brother, Bobby. We, we always had to wait for Bobby. And so the, 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 all of us would be in the vehicle. Would be, uh, we used to drive station wagons. They even make station wagons anymore. Uh, but we used to drive those station wagons, and, and there would be sitting out in the car, it would be hot, and I'd just be patiently waiting. No, Bobby! You know, there's always someone that you have to wait for, and no one likes to wait. But, but waiting's part of life. There, there, there's some good in waiting. Um, brisket in a microwave can you cook brisket in a microwave? I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure you can get the meat done. Or brisket in a slow cooker uh, or, or in a smoker. Uh, I'd much rather have the brisket in a smoker than from a microwave. And so waiting leads to some good things. Sometimes waiting leads to good fashion things. If, if you wear the same things long enough, you become stylish at least two or three times in the course of your life. Spencer was making fun of my glasses this week. He was home. He was making fun of him. He was saying, Dad, those are stylish glasses. What are you doing with stylish glasses? Because, you, you know, to Spencer, I'm an old, old man and should be wearing old, old man stuff. And I said, Spencer, I've been wearing these same glasses for 30 years, these kind of glasses. It just happens to be that they're in style right now. So that's good. I was rocking bow ties in Dayton, Ohio many, many years ago and when no one else was doing it. So if you wear things long enough, eventually you become stylish once again. So sometimes waiting is inconvenient. And, and you can think about the minor things in life. When, when you're waiting for tables in restaurants, uh, when you're waiting for, for food to get done, for, for shows to start, that, that long time of waiting for the microwave to ding, right? Lights to change. I've been known to wait for stop signs to change. Anybody else do that? Stop signs do not change no matter how long you wait. To bigger things, you know, we wait, we wait for school to be done so we can start working. Kids, if you're waiting for school to be done, so you can start working. Trust me, school is much funner than work. And all God's people said, 
But we wait for school to get done so we can start to work. We, we wait from engagement to marriage, from pregnancy to birth, from work to retirement. And then what do we wait for after retirement? To the serious things, test results. So, something's going on, you go to the doctor and, and they send you out for tests and you wait to hear what the test results might be. We've all been involved in deathbed vigils as we wait for someone to pass. We, we wait through relationship issues. We wait through what will come next at work or with our finances. It feels like we're in a waiting time in our country. Anybody feel that? That, that we're just kind of waiting for what's next or waiting for an election. We have a president that, that has coronavirus. I think it's appropriate that we stop right now and just say a prayer, uh, not just for our president, but for our president and for our country and for our election and for those of us, those who are suffering with COVID-19. So let's stop and just pray right now together. Lord, right now, uh, this is a time like no other in my lifetime. I, I can think back and in, in my lifetime, we went through the 60s and during the 60s, we had the Vietnam War, and we had unrest, and we had political unrest. And so, Lord, perhaps that time was as volatile as this time, but we're living in this moment. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll give us patience, that you'll give us wisdom. We pray for our president as he recovers from this virus, but not just our president, many in this country who are suffering from this virus. We pray that you'll be with them. We, we pray for an election that's coming up, that your will will be done, uh, that your people will continue to be your people no matter who the party is that's in control of the White House. We love you, we praise you, we thank you because we believe you are good and you're good even when times seem hard. So give us patience in these times of waiting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're in a waiting time, and, and, and waiting is no fun. As that great poet Tom Petty said, waiting is the hardest part. And so as we're waiting, we, we can look through God's story, as Josh has alluded to, and we can see periods where God's people waited. And Elijah, this great prophet to the northern kingdom, he, he was a prophet to Israel, and, and he was a prophet to King Ahab. And Ahab's wife's name was Jezebel. Any Jezebels in here? You know, that, that's not a good name, right? You know, Jezebel's that, wow, she's a Jezebel. And Ahab's wife was Jezebel, and she was evil, and she died a terrible, horrible death. Jezebel was the one eaten by the dogs, right? And Elijah is a prophet <laughs> to King Ahab and Jezebel. Thank you, God, for that assignment, please. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's just what I want to do. He is a prophet to this evil king, this evil queen, and this evil northern empire. Empire. And in the midst of this, Elijah lives this amazing life. And in his life, we see that Elijah waits. Elijah goes when it's time to go. 
Elijah learns to listen, and Elijah finishes the race well. And today we're going to talk about waiting. Elijah had learned how to wait. So Elijah, and Josh alludes to this, Elijah is a prophet to the, to, to the northern kingdom, to Israel, and, and, and he tells King Ahab, there's going to be a drought in the land until I say rain comes. And he drops the mic and exits stage left. Disappears. And he goes to the brook of Cherith and, and he's fed by ravens. And, 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 and the brook dries up. The, the creek dries up. And, and, and God sends him to this widow in Sidon, this Gentile. As a matter of fact, Jesus refers to this widow in Sidon to his hometown. When, when they're talking, when they're wanting to make him Messiah and wanting to do miracles in his hometown, Jesus says, well, well, God sent Elijah to this Gentile woman and it makes his hometown people so mad they want to stone and kill Jesus. And so he goes to this widow of Sidon, and, and while he's there, all she has is a little bit, Josh talked about it, a little bit of bread, and he says, give it to me, and God will provide. And sure enough, God provides meal after meal from this little jar of oil. Eventually, she has one son, and this, this son dies. And, and the widow gets mad. I mean, she's mad at Elijah. Here, here's this prophet, and God's done all these, this, this miracle with the bread, and yet now my son is dead. And Elijah raises him from the dead. And all of this occurs not in what we would consider the going part of Elijah's ministry. All of this occurs while he's waiting for God to send him, waiting for God to move in a more drastic, visible way. See, God invites us to wait on him. That is, that, that is part of the Christian walk, that is part of being a disciple of Jesus, that God has invited his people to learn how to wait. But the truth is, we are wait impaired. <laughs> And W-A-I-T, not, not weight impaired, but we are weight impaired. We rely, who uses their microwave, and, and this is not judgment because I do this too, who uses your microwave far more than your oven, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're far more used to, to eating quick. We're, we're used to fast food. Uh, we like instant credit. Uh, we prefer crash diets, at least I do, so then I can eat more and gain the weight back. Uh, we, we want things to happen quickly. But waiting is important. Waiting leads to faith development. And I would submit to you that if we do not learn how to wait, we will never learn how to depend upon God. Without this waiting period in the life of Elijah, he would have never been the prophet that God had called him to be. Waiting is essential. And so how do we learn to wait? What, what can we learn from this story of Elijah about waiting? The, the first thing is this. God is working in our waiting. 
Even, even when we can't see, we can trust that God is working. God is providing for Elijah, and he's judging Israel. All throughout this time, God is still at work, even though Elijah is waiting. You know, I said earlier, I, I feel like we're in a waiting period in our country. Can, can we affirm, can we believe, can we trust that God is working in our waiting? And not just this. In all of our lives, including this pastor's, there's things that we're dealing with. There's worries that we have. There's concerns that we have. There's things that we want to see happen, and we're waiting for God. And we can trust God in those times that God is still working, even though sometimes we don't see. You, you may be waiting to, to see what God is going to do, and, and, and sometimes we can see what God is doing. Elijah could see the, the food coming by the ravens. He could see the jar of oil being refilled. He could see the sun being raised to life, but he couldn't see what God was doing in Israel. And so the truth is, in our life there will be signs that God is visibly at work, and there will be times God is working and we don't see it. See, that's the essence of faith. And God calls us, God calls us to faith, not to know. And, and we rely so much on our senses, and God is saying, listen, can you in the waiting just trust me and know that I am at work? Second thing is this, we still serve others in our waiting. Elijah serves the widow. Sure, sure, her oil provided for him, but guess what? As her oil provided for him, it provided for the widow and her son. Eventually, as the, as the son dies, he is able to serve her by raising the son to life. And so the question I have for you, maybe you're in a waiting period, but while you're in a waiting period, that does not excuse or release us from serving. Even though we're waiting for something more, where can you serve in your waiting? What can you be doing while you're waiting for God to move? And the final thing is this, our waiting prepares us for our going. God's provision strengthened Elijah's call. As God provided, I believe that in the life of Elijah, in his mind, he said, well, if God, if God can care for me by the brook, then God will be able to lead me back into Israel. If God can refresh this jar of oil, God can lead me back to Israel. If God can raise this son from the dead, God can lead me back and help the people of Israel return to him. God's provision in our waitings prepares us for our goings. Now, now you see this, this waiting in many of the stories that you, you see in the Bible. Saul of Tarsus, Paul the apostle, 
Uh, Saul is converted. And, and instantly, Saul, or Paul, uh, begins to preach the gospel. He begins to debate Jewish leaders. And pretty quickly, the Jewish leaders want to kill him. And so the disciples decide, well, maybe we better take Paul out of here, Saul out of here. And, and although he's ready to go and he's ready to be a leader in the church, the disciples take Saul and they send him home to Tarsus. That They send him away. And when they send him away, I don't believe they send him away by himself, but they put him in the bosom of a church. And Saul and Paul is prepared in his waiting. Now, now Paul, as I understand Paul, Paul had a going personality. Uh, the, the longest place of ministry that Paul had, I believe, if I'm not correct, incorrect, the longest place Paul served was Ephesus, and it was only three years. <laughs> you know, you know what, do you, what do you think about a pastor that leaves a church after every three years? That's somebody that's, you know, their, their feet's on fire, right? Always going. And, and Paul was always going. And most places... He wasn't there even close to three years. And yet Paul begins his ministry not going, but waiting. For, for Paul's going to be effective, he needed to be able to wait. And while he was waiting, what was Paul doing? See, we don't know, but, but I can assume that Paul was waiting. He was growing. He was learning. And he was serving. There's others that you can see in, in this, the story of God that, that had these extensive periods of waiting. I, I think of Moses. You know, Mo, Moses was called to lead the people of Israel. And, and how did God prepare Moses to lead the people of Israel? He prepared him by having him shepherd his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, Say, sign me up for that, God. Yeah. For 40 years, Moses is wandering around the wilderness waiting for God. As a matter of fact, I think Moses waited long enough for God that he finally said, well, I guess God's not going to do anything. Anybody there? <laughs> There's times in my life where I've been there where I think, man, I've waited long enough, and then God will move. And sure enough, in the life of Moses, God waited 40 years and probably to the point where Moses had given up and then God moved in the life of Moses. Samuel. You know, he's a young boy in Eli's household and God calls him. And yet there's all these teenage years and young adult years where he's still in the household of Eli before God truly calls him. And in this period, he's waiting. What's he doing? Well, he's waiting, he's listening, he's growing, and he's serving as he can. Waiting is part of it. It's not all. And next week, Elijah will go. You know, chapter 17 of 1 Kings, Elijah is waiting. Chapter 18, Elijah goes. Are you going to go when you have the opportunity? Elijah does. You know, it's easy to get comfortable even in the waiting. 
but our waiting is preparing us for something more. And as we wait and as, we, as God moves, when God calls us to go, we go. Now, anybody ever been on an airplane where you had to wait to land? Anybody ever been up in the air and it's like, okay, it, it's time to land and the pilot comes on and says, there's been a backup, and uh, so, so we're in a holding pattern, and, and, and usually, you know, they've told you to put your seatbelt on, and usually that's about the time when you need to go to the restroom. Any, anybody, that, that's, that's how it works for me at least. It's like when you can't, it's like I need to, and, uh, and so you're in the holding pattern, and, and, and why do they do that? What's the holding pattern for? Well, it's so you don't crash, right? That, that they don't want all the airplanes coming in at the same time because if multiple airplanes are landing on the same strip at the same time, I've heard that's bad. And so the holding pattern is for our safety and the holding pattern is for an effective landing. Maybe you're in a holding pattern. It's not because God is cruel or, or God has bad intentions in your life that God is wanting your good and your safety and your protection and His will to be done in an effective way. As, as listening to, to Amy sing, and we were singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And the phrase of the song says, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. You know what my experience is? My, my experience is I am more likely to be overcome in the waiting rather than the going. That, that in the waiting, that is that special time when God can make his presence most known to me. Maybe, maybe your waiting is an invitation for God to show you more of his face. It's also interesting that Elijah is waiting with the widow of Sidon. She's a Gentile. This isn't home. This isn't comfortable. This isn't what he was expecting. Maybe your waiting seems contrary to where you want to be. In other words, Elijah, he's, he's Israelite, not Gentile. And yet here he is waiting in Gentile country. I have a feeling that some of you out there, you're waiting in a place that seems completely foreign. And, and maybe in your mind, you're saying, God, what are you doing? You realize, by the way, our God is big enough for questions like that. Right? You understand that, that when you're thinking those things, but you're not saying those things. God knows what you're thinking, so you might as well just say them. Because what I found about my God is that sometimes He'll answer them. Sometimes He'll answer it by smacking me in the back of the head and telling me it's none of my business, just keep going, right? Anybody ever got, got you know? And sometimes He'll give me better insight into what He's doing, and He'll respond to our my question with an answer. Three things. 
Trust God in the waiting. He is at work. Serve others while you wait. And when it's time to go, what do we do? Go. I thought you guys would say go. I I was really anticipating more there, okay? Let's try that again because in my mind when I wrote this, this was going to be like that emphasis moment, and it was kind of like a dud. I'm just going to be honest. When it's time to go, we There you go. (laughs) Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise. You're good, even in our waiting. And the truth is, Lord, it seems like most of life is waiting. It doesn't seem like we're always going. It seems like most of the time we're waiting. And so, Lord, how do we wait in a way that gives you glory? How do we wait in a way that allows you to move in us in such a way that at the end of our waiting, we look more like Jesus? So help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us to acknowledge and see where you're at work. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge that you're at work even in ways we don't see. Help us, Lord, to find those places of service, those places where we can be following your will and and accomplishing your purpose even in our waiting. And Lord, help us when it's time to go, to go. To, To not get so comfortable in our waiting that you end up having to wait on us. Now, Lord, I'm thankful for this congregation, for these people. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you will keep them and protect them and use them and guide them. I pray, Lord, that they will have a special portion of your Holy Spirit this week. And Lord, as we go through unsettled times, may we not be unsettled people. But may your presence give us guidance. May your presence give us peace. And may we be different because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless, folks.